Hello listeners and now we are on to the last and final part of my interview with uh, Richard Hood. You he is actually in as you know a well traveled uh, coach who's gone quite across the country who spoke about so much during the first two parts. In the third part I think we will concentrate a bit more on the development of Indian leagues and how it used to be and how the Mizoram Premier League continues to be such a successful endeavor. despite not having any major big sponsors and how the local businesses can help uh, such endeavor and we also talk about many other things within the indian game so please go ahead and listen to it i am sure you'll come out at the other end a lot more wiser about the local football scene and it's also like i mean uh, local funding isn't that great and which is why you exactly, have exactly is there money so it's not money i mean if you look at what's happening in mizoram obviously in terms of the day to day expenses there are really cheap but uh, i keep showing everybody this jersey i'll show it to you later but hmm. uh, chanmari fc hmm, hmm. uh they have based in aizol based in aizol their under 12 team has got six sponsors Zotes Bakery, DP uh, Shoe Store, MP Medical Store, uh, David's Kitchen, uh, and some uh, AW Automobile. Hmm. All local all businesses. Lo- all local businesses, and in Chanmari district. Hmm. I mean that part of Aizwal, which is known as Chanmari, only businesses from there. Hmm. Not Aizwal specific, also just uh, Chanmari specific. They have come in there and given eight thousand per month, three thousand, four thousand, and things that takes care of the coaches' wages. Hmm. A pair of boots for every player and post-training meals hmm. for however long that uh, small league was, and that and that is where I think the whole uh, local game has really missed out. Now you look at the Mexican league or you go down to any of the lower division South American leagues, Argentina, Uruguay, Brazil, uh, the uh, let's say the Sao Paulo league, the Rosario league, the uh, Murphy league, the uh, Buenos Aires league, and things. Look at the number of sponsors on their kit. They're knocking on every single door, taking any money that they can. And in India, the approach is that I want to go to Brigade Group and ask them for forty lakhs for my project. <laughs> I want to go to Infosys and ask them for three crores for my project. Rather than telling that okay, we've got these thirty-five teams, this team based in Murphy Town, then figure out who the local businesses mm-hmm. are. The Saint, uh, what's his, what's the name? Frank Anthony School. Do you want to be affiliated with this? Do you want a name that? This is all that we ask for in return. There's this whole point of uh, getting this massive communal and uh, social connect into the football pitch, and the shopkeeper will put up a poster in his shop. Hmm. The response of this team, which is there in uh, Chandmari district. Yeah. The Utah's uh, team photo is there and things, with showing his uh, uh, brand, brand on the jersey and things. And people watching it, maybe out of hundred footfall that you get, one will go and watch. That mm. is still a victory. Yeah. And the team isn't uh, uh, sort of uh, struggling for it. I'll tell you this. Uh, one good incident was we went to this uh, futsal tournament last year in uh, Aizol. Mm. Right. They have their futsal yeah. league and things. And uh, they start with thirty-six teams, and it trickles down to eighteen teams for the final rounds. They play two legs. Mm. So that's thirty uh, games. Uh, no, thirty-two games to decide the champion of. We're talking to one of the guys from the Mizo FA, and he's like, uh, "We really want to extend the league and things, take it into playoffs for next ten weeks and stuff. So difficult and things like that." And uh, we were like, "Shit!" And every team is on for it. They want to extend it, and they're showing it on local TV. An amazing uh, this thing, huh? the guy spoke really well, and great music playing at halftime, and mm. uh, yeah, their music is also great. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah and plus, you have all these uh, existing I League ISL players doubling up as coaches of the teams yeah. and things. Like that. But there are no inhibitions there. Yeah, no? yeah. It's again down to going back to your friends and blah blah blah, and uh-huh. uh, that connect is still so strong. So he's like, "What's the obstacle?" He's like, "No, it's a bit difficult. It's really expensive, you know, giving this extend this league for by ten uh, weeks." And he said that uh, to extend by ten weeks, I need fifty thousand rupees more. That's it, fifty thousand. 
and here we pay people like four five lakhs to come and cut a ribbon at a as chief guest for or closing ceremony chief guest and things and here we don't think twice about these amounts yeah but there i'm talking uh, 18 teams would have got 10 more weeks of football for 50000 rupees yeah so this is why you have so many players from that side yeah so they are interacting with the game then the manipuris and probably some other parts of northeast are interacting with the game way better than any other kids in the cities who are undergoing coaching with these great curriculums from soccer schools imported from abroad and uh, they are uh, on 3g pitches like we see over here the mini pitches great surfaces and uh, great coach coming out there and thing but the manipuri the mizo boys and things are playing like 4 4 5 6 7 uh, not 4 5 hours per day things but Uh, just all by themselves, and if they are tired, then they're going and playing uh, leg volleyball. Huh. And if they are, if that uh, that gets tiring, then they're juggling the ball. And if that gets tiring, they're doing something else with the ball. And then they go home. Yeah, and then they're playing in a competitive league with people watching them. But again, the, then there is a, a great lacking in uh, the social benchmarking that we talk about. Like I said, the mm. benchmark, the uh, aesthetics and uh, values and uh, uh, baseline that dictates what is good, what is bad, is still extremely low in Manipur and uh, Mizoram. So when uh, the clubs from uh, let's say X Y Z part of India, number one, we want a under 15 team, under 13 team. Let's go to these uh, these regions and scout. Now you look at any team that is there in the final region, at least four five boys from the northeastern stuff. The reason they're good is because they have more access and their thing, and then they ex- they uh, are under the impression that these boys are world class, but they are not. Hmm. If there was any world class or any system that is producing world class players in India, there would have been ten clubs over here scouting. Hmm. They would have the offices over here. Like the amount yeah. of scouts that uh, from European clubs that are watching uh, youth competitions in Japan, the amount of uh, youth competitions being observed in, uh, observed in uh, uh, Thailand and uh, Korea, you have nothing over here. As in, nobody is coming down, but they'll come here for uh, whatever. As in, market wise, we are very big. Market wise, we are big. Yeah, so you have to say the right things and at the right time so that uh, the interest sustains, and uh, that's the unfortunate part. Even. Uh, you can understand their compulsions this is like a huge uh, market to tap into and things but uh, even they also uh, like not many people know wwe is the second most sp- watched sport in india yeah, right yeah. so where is real betis going to come in and compete with that viewership hmm. this cricket uh, wwe and then uh, probably football and stuff and even yeah. football most of us EPL. will end up watching epl and uh, la liga every weekend so I mean, like you said, it, like it's for the market, and then they'll say what they have to. Okay, now this is a question that I just popped in my head while you were having the conversation. The Arrows project, having a team of under 17s, under 18s now, I guess, who are playing there uh, year day, week in, week out in the first division team. What do you make of it? And I only ask this because personal experience. This is a very small personal experience that uh, we, you know, how in Kerala we play with. like you said the old people and mm-hmm. the young kids so i was in school and i was playing with for the first time i was playing with these men actually mm-hmm. proper men and they were kind of rough but they would take care they wouldn't go full on on me because you know i'm still kid mm-hmm. one of the thing was i was standing in the middle and i had one pass to my right one pass on the right wing and to the left so i passed to the left and i got absolutely hammered from the guy here mm-hmm. because he said why didn't you pass to me then i have three passes mm-hmm. now he has only you and the striker mm-hmm. so these are things that you learn playing with experienced players mm-hmm. do you think they're missing out on that or are Big you time. are you okay with the fact that they're i'm quite open i mean floyd's a really good friend so i've been quite open with him about uh, my perception i've uh, mentioned it when i was with aff as well that 
it'll be far because these are let's say i think the 30 players on the roster right now it'll be far more useful if these players are spread across 15 20 clubs Hmm. Starting it as definite uh, 11s, competing for a place in the first 11, each one of them, hmm. because everybody's pathway is different. Some deal shine at 18 and some deal only come into the limelight or grow completely at the age of 22 and things. And competing with foreigners and learning uh, bits from them, because even if you, you spoke about those three passes that you had, you passed to the left instead of right and uh, this guy uh, pulling up for it. There's so many things that you learn in terms of taking care of yourself that a foreigner will come and tell you that eat this, don't eat that because probably he sees a few links between how he was as a youngster mm-hmm. and the way you behave and uh, conduct yourself on the pitch or your general lifestyle and things. So, I mean, uh, the the interactions that you gain uh, from this experience, I mean, Sunil absolutely struggled when he went from, uh, not struggle, but he had that whole uh, chucked into the deep end at the age of yeah, 16, yeah. 17 when he went to JCT and mm-hmm. Mohan Bagan and all of that where he really grew up. Eugene did that when he went from Bishop Cottons back to uh, Shillong League yeah, and played for his uh, dad's team and uh, all of the I mean uh, each one of them grew significantly and uh, we started to I mean I personally started to question this whole thing because we lost a lot of players with uh, to the arrows when I was at TFA so Narayan was a, uh, Pranay was the first player to leave then Narayan left and then uh, Alvin went over there so, bigger concern was that the ones who were not starting. So, Simranjit went over there, Jay Bratadhar. I think we had about uh, 10 boys from the 2012, no, 2010 batch, no, 2012 batch that uh, went and joined Aros. And he said for like every 90 minutes that the 11 was securing, hmm. there's another 15-20 players who are not playing a single minute. Hmm. So, even if you look at the entire World Cup uh, team, they played about, I think, uh, 50 to 60 practice matches in those uh, two years and you look at the starting 11s for those teams and you look at the number of players on the bench there are some who haven't uh, who have secured less than one I think less than 500 minutes of football in those uh, entire two years a good uh, I think about uh, seven eight of them who have got that less uh, playing time now what I keep saying is that was absolutely necessary for the World Cup because we didn't have a league structure to sort of do that but I mean if you just look at the alternative had we set up our leagues and stuff and taken it seriously 10-15 years ago and pick these players from the best team. So Japan, uh, they, they, I think they caught up only four days before their uh, AFC. They won the 2018, uh, 2016 championship last year where we went mm. to the quarterfinals. Japan were the champions, but they had a four-day camp mm. before the tournament. And they have uh, four four-day camps through the year mm. for U16 as well as U19. So remaining time, they're with their clubs playing game after game after game. So over there, what happens is the players that you take in camp one and the players you take in camp four, you will have a difference of five, six names. Mm. Because you're watching constantly, right? Because if the first camp is in Jan and the last camp is in October, four days before the tournament starts, obviously you're going to look at... uh, By July, you see that, okay, this guy's been replaced as a great right-back that has come up for this Mm. team. He has to be in the national team. And that is what uh, lifestyle gets replicated at the senior national team level. You play for your club, you play for your club, you get called in for the national team and you have to really do well in the league uh, to perform. So Japan, Korea or any European team is building these game sensibilities in uh, in the players from the ages of 12-13. You're playing a game, you know the national coach is going to come out there and watch you. Getting called for a camp is a big deal. Getting called for a camp again is a massive deal. And then each of these camps will lead to a tournament also. Four-day preparation and then a short seven-day tournament where they go and play three games and things. And then they go back. But this whole education has been trickled down from the age of 12 onwards. 
whether i mean whichever part of the world you're in this is where the national team plays what happens at your club level whether you're playing 442 direct or whether you're playing uh, you want to play possession football or whatever it is the national team players going to choose the i mean the national team coach will choose players who will suit his sensibilities mm. he is best suited for my team and it doesn't mean that if you don't play for u16 national team or if you don't play for u19 national team that you won't make it yeah it's just that you are not uh, catering to those game sensibilities at that particular age so there, there are a host of players who haven't represented their teams at the junior level but are uh, absolute first names on the starting 11 at the senior level so uh, in terms of that i think uh, aros project uh, for however long it lasts and stuff i think in but, uh, i mean speaking to floyd and things it would be a far better solution for him to go and watch hmm. that 18 19 year old playing for uh, xyz team in the top league and then having a 10 day camp before but having several camps hmm. so at least the message is out that uh, the under 19 head coach likes to play football in this particular way these are the demands from the center back right back center forward goalkeeper blah 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 when the, when the player goes back to his home team that message spreads across all the age groups and all the senior team and players in a, in proximity to his age as well oh you are right back what did the coach say about the center back what did the coach say about the forward who's the forward there right now what's he like and the other bit is you're talking about a visual connect as well if i've just come back from playing afc u16 championship and i'm come i've come back to my club team and i'm in the club's u16 squad the players in the u14 squad the players in the u12 squad will come and look at me they're watching me train they come and watch my matches often on and you know should we need to be this fast to be in the national team and we need to be this good technically to be in the national team we need to be this uh, visually aware i think which is something that coach i mean we like i said sometimes we overestimate the value of a coach but just watching something unfold in front of you so none of the arrows team i think uh, kids across the country or different parts of the country are viewing the, are uh, getting a look into this is what a talent is if we uh, look at from that point of view that these guys aren't uh, the under 16 team isn't going back to 10 different clubs so when you talk about uh, diversity of contribution the japanese uh, national team the 21 players that came for the under 17 world cup last year they came from 11 different clubs mm. which would mean in 2017 world cup cycle there were 11 clubs that understood what it takes to create a world class player mm. similarly iran i think was seven and uh, south korea didn't qualify who was the other team uh, No, no, Japan was 11, South oh, Korea yeah. was around uh, 10, 11, and uh, Iraq, I think. Iraq came from eight uh, different clubs. So eight different clubs contributed to the national team. So we talk about uh, just in terms of uh, the knowledge that eight clubs know what it takes to produce a player that is good enough to play in the Junior World Cup. And then we go to the U20 level, we see a similar thing. That 21 players have come from 11 different clubs, 12 different clubs, and you really want to see diversity. Look at the English uh, national team. Uh, have a look at the um, uh, Argentine uh, national team, and if you look at uh, certain teams in, uh, let's say, Croatia, Croatia have nine players from one club, Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah, biggest club there. Biggest club there, and three million people. Hmm. You want to make it anyway, either that or Hajduk split and two, three other clubs that have a thing. But uh, Croatia's uh, contribution uh, diversity will hardly be five. Hmm. So there are only five clubs that are catering to it, but that is enough for them to mm-hmm. remain uh, world class. And but Japan is so expensive. Spain even more expensive in terms of that. And uh, there was a great start as well. Uh, the Spanish team that won the U20 or U21 Euro Championships, they had about thousand more playing minutes at the senior level mm-hmm. than the team that they played in the finals. I'll send I'll send you the exact stats later, but. Mm-hmm. 
as in the that particular generation this guy's book uh, graham and they written this book called spain hmm. and yeah, he covered the whole golden generation time yeah golden generation yeah. and what spain is doing from the youth point of view and things so what goes behind making a spanish uh, junior team they had yeah 1000 more minutes which is about uh, 900 else 10 games no i think uh, 10000 more minutes about two seasons more than the team that they faced in the finals of playing in the senior team uh, within the 11 of the senior team at the la liga level mm-hmm. so that's where we start to see that uh, these are the boxes that we need to tick so if we uh, india qualified for i think uh, five out of uh, four out of five tournaments under 19 tournaments between 1990 and uh, 2006 2006 onwards you haven't really qualified mm-hmm. but if you look at what happened from 2007 onwards we had these centralized camps in uh, goa Yeah, under control and things. The boys are just there for six to eight months and things, playing practice match after practice match after practice match, and then going for the AFC Championships. Whereas, if you look at the generations that came before that, you had a majority of the team either from TFA, a huge majority coming in from Meghalaya, and a massive bulk coming in from Calcutta. Each of these players were playing tournaments where there were consequences: winning, losing. Mm-hmm. and uh, churning out results uh, sort of uh, coping with uh, competitive pressure and things yeah. yeah from the age of 18 19 onwards and that's when the u19 teams were picked where we qualified for four out of five tournaments in the decade uh, that prevailed uh, at that time because there we were matching the psychological experience and interaction of the players that were coming in from the comp- in the qualifying uh, circuit at least mm-hmm. so the irani league is amongst the youngest in the world giving a lot of young players a chance the j2 league as well as the j league is lot of young including in the match sheet they judge the teams on the number of u22 players that they have so just in terms of these uh, ideals coming in we start to see that so i think when i was in goa about 10 years back they had the role in the goa pro league mm-hmm. you needed to have at least two uh, u19 players in the starting 11 that collect no three players uh u19 players collectively need to account for 270 minutes or 180 minutes hmm uh, yeah three players totally ac- amounting for 180 minutes on the pitch so even if you take him off or you play two players for 90 minutes each or remove one u19 player and put another one in for 45 45 as long as it comes up to 180 minutes or more so it's we can i think and isl had that under 21 rule they don't anymore but there is no uh, the thing they just needed to start so you could see it uh, eight minutes ago removed yeah, so were. there was no uh, uh, sort of ruling that uh, uh, between whatever hmm. under 19 players on the pitch need to account for 180 minutes do it however you want start with three and uh, let them play the first half and remove uh, whatever <laughs> remove two of them and then put in senior player and let the other one see through the remaining 45 whichever you want to see through but they need to account for 180 minutes yeah so that's a fair fair thing to ask Yeah, but anyway, so that really people didn't think of. They're like, as long as they start, it's fine. But then coaches got uh, smart. Yeah, yeah, smart. Eight minutes, nine they, minutes. They remove them yeah, and things. I saw it in the Kolkata derby. Both of them removed them hmm. after like ten minutes. And I was like, these kids, they got a chance to start the Kolkata derby in that kind of situation, yeah, yeah, yeah. knowing that they're going to be picked up after eight minutes. So, what is my incentive to really do anything? And this, I mean, yeah, you, I don't, you'll end up hating your coach for the rest of the time. And I mean. You, uh, if that's the value they place on you, that you're just a start that you need to, or just a obligation that you need to fulfil, you start to question that maybe the coach doesn't value me as much, and uh, and these are lifelong lessons. I mean, yeah. the players holding grudges. <laughs> you speak to any player uh, in India, they'll tell you like the stuff that hurt them as thirteen-year-olds, twelve-year-olds, ten-year-olds, or even eighteen-year-olds, or even twenty-five or thirties. Uh, last week, 
<laughs> yeah, so like people really uh, hold grudges, and it's natural, right? Because yeah. you play so much pride, you love this game uh, so much, and then you get treated as a start, and that's when you start to question the whole thing. So it's been a long time. So I want to end it in a very sure. chilled out manner. So uh, just let's just have talks about not yeah. Indian football in general. So where did you start your interest in football? How did because. You are really into it. Like you didn't. You are a UEFA A license uh, holder. You are the youngest, or at least at that time for sure. Yeah. AFC A license holder. So this is really, really uh, strong drive to do something in the sport. So where does that come from? I think I was uh, I always really stubborn growing up in things, and uh, trust me, like cricket was the only thing on my mind uh, till I was thirteen. Hmm. And then when they told me that, I, and I wanted to bowl fast in the similar thing that India play Khelunga and all that. Hmm. Like my uh, You were in Mumbai? No, no, in Bangalore. In Bangalore. Okay. Bangalore till the age of uh, 13 and then we shifted to Chennai. Uh-huh. But like everything, right from my school book covers, being with the cricketers and mm-hmm. memorizing every start on those cricket cards and things like that, I was uh, completely obsessed. I was in the big fun ad. Oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Mungya Jadeja and Robin Singh. Oh, that must have been a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two days shooting and things. <laughs> that was in uh, what? Fifth standard, I think. Ah, nice. But I got the whole uh, cricket card uh, pack and all that. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, small memory. But uh, I'm sure they remember. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I'd gone. Uh, so, like, cricket was the only thing for me. And then Chennai had gone and Chennai had a... At least at that time, the, it was really formal uh, cricket uh, scene over there. As in, like, quite intense and all that. And then I'd seen, like, all these guys, fast bowlers, 6'1", 6'2", at my age. Mm-hmm. As in, I'd gone there when I was 13 years old. And they told me, you can't play anymore. Go and try football. So I had this friend Chakravarti who's uh, a pilot of Jet Airways now and thing but and he was like constantly you have the body to play football and things and you have to play and things like that. He gave me books to read and so he gave me the 1998 World Cup book hmm. that uh, listed uh, top 5 players from each team and I remember starting to read over there because uh, I'd read every cricket autobiography. Sunil Gavaskar's trilogy, I'd read uh, Dennis Lilly's Art of Fast Bowling, hmm. Mohinder Amarnath's uh, Learn to Play Good Cricket with Lala Amarnath with the forward and things like that. I'd read uh, Clive Lloyd's book, uh, Desmond Haynes, I'd read Read, uh, what is the other book? At least 50 books till the age of 13. Uh, I'd read and just following Sports Star and back cover of this and yeah. never missing an article or a game and things. And then uh, football took over hmm. at the age of 13 and things. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I started playing, and then the benchmark was baseline was really low because in a short time I ended up doing quite well in the sport in Chennai and things. At the age of 16, I started training with Indian Bank, though I think they hmm. looked at it more as a favor and things. But even there, I stood out at least for my fitness and how physical I was. So you have Shivmani who said uh, mm-hmm. we worked together at uh, BFC, and then he remembers that I broken a guy's leg into two and things. And this is when I was like 15, 16 and stuff. I was completely stuck in as and for me yeah. it was like uh, either ball man and like it I had uh, <laughs> hyperactivity issues and things like that so uh, that happened and then I had um, I had a chance to uh, so I started writing these letters to all the clubs like most Indian kids that I am really passionate about it and uh, I wrote two page uh, long letters to Manchester United to Liverpool to uh, Chelsea and all like every club possible uh, so I remember Borussia Dortmund had called me up hmm. And I wasn't at home and things. And <laughs> my mom spoke to them like, uh, we really liked his letter, but uh, we can't take him. Yeah. Then we had... Rotman uh, are actually a nice club. When you email them, they always respond. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, so this was like, I mean, for me, it was that, oh, they're interested, so I should take it up yeah. even further. So that but was my... classy club. Classy club, yeah. right? And yeah, these things like make such a massive yeah. difference. 
and even uh, Manchester United wrote a letter where they where you knew he read it. The academy manager, any Britain over there that uh, understand the circumstances and though we cannot, we don't have uh, scouting networks operating there. Liverpool wrote a generic letter, dear player, huh. we're not interested right now. Aston Villa, dear player. So I mean that's how to build up. And then I started to write. Uh, started looking for these independent programs being run. So out of I think I sent at, at that time uh, postal like hmm. stamp and uh, yeah, all that. Send, no? Yeah, I sent at least two hundred letters. Cause I went down to Uzbek League and this that. Like, <laughs> so yeah, Steve Darby wrote back a really detailed email to me. Oh, nice. He was with the uh, head coach of Home United. I was around fifteen, sixteen then. It, like equally long email explaining that Singapore is very tough and uh, I have seen Indian football all of that. So that was really nice of him. So with that, this guy in uh, the Sing Czech Republic got in touch. Uh, coach named Ludek Prokaska, who was uh, Pavel Nedved's youth coach. Hmm. So he called me down there, and maybe he judged my ability based on the length of my letter. Yeah. So he called me down there, and then I went on announcing to everybody, that, and I had secured uh, uh, five-day observation stint at uh, Bayern Munich, mm. and then uh, in Denmark for about uh, two months. And Czech Republic was around four to five months. So all and sorry, I was in Australia one year before, and that's what I got the impression that I might be good enough for uh, Europe now. Mm. And th- it was there that I started to see. I mean. Uh, one was in whatever friendly game they threw me and I hardly touched the ball one or two mm-hmm. times because it was just unfolding at such a high pace. I was yeah. quite comfortable playing with the senior pros over here. But there at uh, kids my age and crazy. things, you can't process it. And that's why I said like this, I never had that interaction of the game unfolding at this pace mm-hmm. from a young age. Yeah. So it is, uh, like I said, chucking a uh, second standard kid into 12th standard and telling him to cope with it. Sunil so said the same thing when he went to Wales. Hmm. And he said uh, things, uh, he was 18, 19 at that hmm. time. And I think Chris Coleman was the coach. Okay. And he was telling me that he just couldn't deal with it. No, he can't. Everything is so fast. Yeah, yeah. And he said your touch is good, your technique is so great. He also mentioned the uh, academy players at Sporting Portugal. Yeah, very, very fast. No? Yeah, yeah, and they're thrice the size and things. <laughs> so, uh, and even his trial at, uh, so the captain of... Uh, Rangers, uh, Steve McCulloch and uh, me did our A license together. And he remembers Sunil and uh, JJ coming down. Oh, they see. And then he said that uh, they'd gone there to pick them up at the airport and stuff. And minute they saw the size and they said these are strikers. Hmm. And Scottish League is by far the most physical. It's like yeah, it's crazy. brutal centre back versus brutal forward. Even the forwards are like as uh, stuck in as uh, the centre backs. And then he's like, he said in his mind, he was like, what's going on over here? Hmm. And at that time, Rangers going through a massive uh, financial crisis. Yeah, right? they went to two leagues down and stuff like so that. So they were really reaching out to the Indian market. They come down to TFA as well to uh, pitch to them to, I mean, buy them out and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, like in uh, Czech Republic, I started to see like these kids are training at the ages of 5, 6 and 7, mm-hmm. doing these coordination exercises and uh, whatever. I mean, like people might say, okay, that's not the correct way of training. It's uh, backward and uh, dinosaur era and things. But just the fact was that 5, 6, 7 year olds were playing more in one year than I played in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So that was like first indicator for me and uh, next year I picked up an injury though I told everybody I could have made it at the highest mm-hmm. level, maybe I was kidding myself. So it's one of those things, yeah, right? Yeah. You can't really say could have, should have, would have based on one small incident that it changed your life and things. But once I got into coaching, that was one thing that was stuck in my mind that if, and that's those are the most uh, vivid thoughts in my head that these kids are playing so much football from the ages of 4, 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. 
and that's the reason why these kids are, i mean these guys are so comfortable with the game just unfolding at such a pace cuz it's happening from a young age na hmm. or uh, you're not uh, sort of uh, uh, you're, you're you're taking care of a game environment from an early age and things so when i got into coaching and stuff that was one priority that uh, I, at least uh, i don't know why I, i thought of it that way and maybe in the last 3 years like i said studying the whole uh, scientific side of things the whole neurology of skill acquisition and uh, the whole uh, sociology and cultural aspects to but it makes sense now what i saw then hmm. that time i knew that was the solution as in there's no way of uh, uh, sort of evading that uh, responsibility as a game community taking care of your youngest players and giving them a rich experience in the game not in terms of professionalism elite and all of that but just a very rich experience full of benchmarks and uh, guidance and players falling in love with the game playing at a really high pace because that's the way the society demands hmm. the game should be played at tempo at pace with lot of skill with lot of pace on the ball with uh, stuck in tackles whatever uh, i think uh, game values that society it gets manifested at the youngest kids so the dad will tell you that you need to or your friend will tell you or your neighbor will tell you and things like that so i knew that was the solution and things so even like throughout the time i did my uh, afc licenses in singapore because that uh, this was the time when indian uh, unless you were an ex india pro you couldn't get a place on the afc courses in india so i'd gone across there and uh, then i started to see that okay this is an advanced country but no way close to the activity experience being provided to the kids in the european countries so again another dot that was connected that this might be a solution i think i've been going on and on about this whole multi tier multi issue thing for over 10 years now and each club that i've been with each academy that i've been with my starting pitch has always been that if you want uh, if you want to really create a difference this what needs to happen and i think till th- i think uh, the whole uh, like i said the scientific cultural so- uh, social aspects of it only came in uh, i think the uh, from 2016 onwards mm. at aff coming into a more administrative job we had so much more time to read and explore what actual youth development is so even the initial documents that i gave then Hmm. initially to aff have written down this whole pre elite model elite model leading to this structure and all of that and uh, studying more than you realize that aff or let's say any footballing authority has to decentralize hmm. and that's where i base my whole coaching ideals in the last 3 years at least that uh, coaches have to be there to guide and mentor rather than instruct and tell hmm. you know massive game environment and things so uh, like you said like don't make the, this aspect of the podcast too intense and things but uh, uh, being uh, i mean this intense i mean uh, being this committed to the cause of understanding the game let me to go and do all these uh, courses and uh, uh, i mean pursuing all of these education aspects in uh, europe uh, going and doing the b license in uh, england and then the 2a licenses in scotland and uh, there again you start i mean people like you speak to any coach in india there is some conference going on here or some workshop mm. or fifa thing they are teaching us something that we already know there is they are teaching us nothing new mm. but the whole point is that you don't need something new and revolutionary you just need to apply the few things that you find good over 40 weeks for it to be effective there is no magic pill or there is no the silver bullet sort of thing that you do this drill you're going to develop world class passes you do this drill you're going to develop uh, world class dribblers or if you do this drill your your back four is going to be perfect mm. there are 10 drills for each of these or not drills even the 10 game mm. or let's say uh, development activities that you can put on for the players to improve a certain skill set collectively or individually so when these guys come from abroad and they put on these sessions our indian coaches are so disappointed are this guy hasn't taught us anything new i have been doing this for years now hmm. 
but they aren't questioning the fact that the guy who's coming and te- teaching you these new i mean old tried and tested uh, done away with skills that you have already seen so many times he gets to use it for 40 weeks of the year hmm his whatever limited comp- your perceived limited competencies or uh, not good enough to come and teach us sort of uh, view he has a chance of doing it 40 weeks of the year for 10 years so let's say 400 weeks of uh, experience before coming to india telling you that this works hmm. but it will work only if you do it for 400 weeks over 10 years that's that's when it works and that's where we start to dismiss or uh, accept lot of uh, uh, i mean uh, delivery platforms as uh, acceptable not acceptable but as world class isne sahi se kahi taught us something new you saw the drill good it was even the new drill that absolutely wowed you and uh, impressed you even that will only be effective if in the development context you using it for such a long time and the higher up the age groups that you go you start to see the sessions are far more ordinary hmm. at the youth level you need to be really creative keep the kids engaged and uh, keep their interest up uh, kids uh, get bored easily and things and sometimes it's good to maintain focus while being bored and things so there's so many psychological aspects into what a player undergoes in terms of his education at a club and academy and uh, that is where we are missing out because like you said are indian coaches competent enough or not competency will only be developed when you're chucked into the deep end mm. and maybe you lose your first three jobs you get sacked within first three months of your first three jobs and you need to have time to reflect to change and then you get this other opportunity to see out your season over 10 weeks proper then you'll see that over oh, I, i screwed up the pre-season i shouldn't have spoken so much to the players i uh, stressed too much on uh, the opponents or my attacking thing wasn't good i'll pay more attention to scouting next time i'll do this 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 so like uh, every great coach has made his mistakes at the lower level guardiola did it with uh, barcelona b zidane was with the reserve teams and things so it's not that these are ex players who automatically attained uh, some god given uh, set of skills and things and these guys is, uh, you read uh, any bit any coach who spoken about them they have time after the game to come and discuss the game they want the video clips right from the time all of these guys are players so much in india it is uh, it, it's again a cultural thing and i'm not saying that this is what is needed to become a good coach because so many for me that's very important which one so that players come ha, so that's a perception thing i know no, as a writer hmm. or a journalist for me it's very important that i get to speak to players hmm. in the mix zone yeah so to develop your competencies as a journalist maybe yeah so sometimes i have seen something and i want to ask something hmm. and some players don't stop some 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 players do okay some are not able to communicate as well hmm. i think dheeraj recently asked a friend of mine who was standing at the hmm. at the blasters game he's wearing a black shirt hmm. so he was walking around and then he asked him dheeraj uh, can i talk to you hmm. he said yeah where is the bus he thought he was a bounce <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> so but not all of them do stop but there are the ones no, i'm talking who... from uh, players going up to coaches and talking to them about ah, the game yeah, yeah. as in uh, when we talk about uh, guardiola developing his coaching competencies he was getting face time with craif uh, right from the time mm. they had a player coach relationship zidane must have done it each time under he was under a good coach yeah. similarly Ancelotti coach... was obviously working under ancelotti yeah so he would have definitely picked up from uh, these guys at uh, and uh, seen that okay when i become a coach i'm definitely using that i'm never going to do this when i'm with uh, players and things so the people who are uh, hyper aware self aware and uh, no and are quite clear in terms of the ambitions that they have they'll automatically respond to the interactions that they have as well I'm going to use that. That's going to be a permanent memory. This I'm never going to use and things. It all connects to the future. Mm-hmm. So even like if I uh, if I go around Bangalore, I'll automatically notice any empty plot of land. <laughs> I can make a five-a-side picture, seven-a-side <laughs> picture. And now I can like even the Sindhanagar area, I can point out where which 
hmm. to the point which ones have a two let sign and which ones don't yeah and it's uh, it is some like if i tell you that uh, go around everyone and tell me how many times you spot the color red hmm. just go down 80 feet road and tell hmm. me automatically you will be a bit conscious about hmm. i mean you might miss 8 9 10 uh, cues hmm. but you are constantly looking because that's at the back of your head i need yeah. to i'm meeting him in 10 minutes i need to tell him how many times i saw the color red yeah. so uh, So that way, I mean, that's how coaching uh, competencies also develop. And uh, just the fact that we don't have these forty weeks to pick up these cues. That last time I lost a game because of X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm going to because by the time you've learnt your lesson, uh, your season's over. Then you have a six month break, and then the next season starts, and you don't know if you'll have the job also then. Yeah. Because of the constant merry-go-round that we keep. Uh, yeah. Like in the beginning, this the I League season. Hmm. You were trying to preview it. Hmm. And then you know Orko. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> so Orko and I were talking about it, and then I was like, "Dude, how?" So I think he watched a few Chennai City games, a few mm. Churchill games that they played. Uh, yeah, the deep connect to Chennai also. Yeah, yeah. So study there. So he was doing all the thing, and then uh, I was telling, "I don't know. I can't preview and say this team looks best because I really uh, don't know. The overhaul is almost complete. Complete. Yeah, yeah. So how do you decide this is the best one or that is the best one? Mm. Mohan Bagans is yeah. a team that should win. Should whether win, they yeah. win or not is an other matter altogether. Yeah. Or East Bengal also, for mm. that matter. Teams that should win, but it yeah, doesn't don't. work like that because they keep. Ch- at least I think East Bengal has a little bit more distinct. No, and the news. I mean, having a comprehensive season it gives you as a club also so many, uh, uh, let's say, avenues to explore. Forty hmm. weeks, fans have come in this week. They didn't come in uh, last week. What what was it that counted then? And then you can start to fight. For, I mean, uh, this whole uh, issue that is going on now, TV rights and kickoff times and all hmm. of that. You go back to the chronicles, point by point, the what they were fighting for today, or what hmm. they are fighting for today, was exactly the same thing they were fighting for. You bring it up at this as well. Yeah, ninety nine, two thousand. Yeah. So 20 years, nothing has changed. <laughs> the, but the whole point is that I mean, at time Vijay Malia was uh, Vijay Malia was heading it along with uh, many of these gold clubs who said, okay, it's not worth it even uh, being in the top run. We'll uh, do our own thing in uh, Goa and stuff. I'm talking like there is no unity here, na? I mean, uh, we're talking about unionizing and coming together. How long did that last? Two months, hmm. and we've had five associations that have come and gone. Hmm. That are supposedly standing up to fight for the rights of the clubs and things. There's no permanent body. You look at how strong the lobbying for the La Liga clubs is. The strong lobbying for Premier League clubs and their rights. The ones for Champions League, backed up by a ridiculously aggressive uh, fan hmm. association, also that dictates a lot of terms and things. There's so many clubs. This club that I went to in uh, uh, Poland, the coach has to sit with the ultras every Friday before the game. Explain to them. This is what happened. And that's the tradition has been there for around sixty, seventy years. Yeah. Face time with the ultras and tell them that this is what I'm going to do and things like that. So then they'll make the T four and stuff, whatever, mm-hmm. based on uh, what they've uh, exchanged the coaches. So I mean, unless this whole unity kicks in and stuff, we will always have uh, clubs going away and things. Then accepting a twenty games to decide a champion of India, how is that even? Fathomable. I mean, ठीक uh, है. Then they'll say no, but this league is uh, that small and stuff. Then go look at how comprehensive the Saudi, um, what's it called, cup structure is. How many mm-hmm. games those guys are churning out and things. I don't know if I put it up last week or not, but uh, the Indian players fall behind by thousand games. I think collectively, mm-hmm. in terms of experience, the Indian squad falls behind by thousand games to the nearest rival. One thousand games, as in the twenty one thousand games. Yeah. Less over a period. So the last, uh, the first game after 2014 World Cup and the first game before uh, 2018 World Cup. 
including national team cup this that you put all of it together india squad uh, korea squad and all of these no we were 800 games behind iran and uh, 1100 games behind uh, japan or 1500 games behind japan or something when, when you put numbers it's really stark really. yeah and then you look at where these guys are playing yeah. indian players everybody secured their uh, minutes in india barring uh, gurpreet who had 540 odd minutes in uh, europe hmm. the japanese starting 11 entirely in europe yeah everyone 8 out of 11 of the irani national team that played those three group game matches were all in uh, europe south korea also south korea no south korea largely lot of them have exported in to germany also right germany hardly about 4 5 but uh, they exporting players to the j league and the australian league so that foreign player quota na the 4 plus 1 they're adhering to this one yeah I have really have taken a lot of it. No, no, no problem. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so I just pretty much that was it. So, yeah, so I mean, it starts to. I mean, you start to see the numbers over there. Okay, then they correct. No, sorry. Do you want some coffee? No, no, no. I just drink right? some. So, so uh, just one last thing. Uh, you met Jose Mourinho. Yeah. How was that? Like being who you are, you met Mourinho. I didn't uh, and. Uh, That's what I was. I mean, the article that came through and stuff. They only. I was reading it on the way. So for me, that entire course wasn't about Mourinho. It was for all the modules and uh, hmm. the subjects and things. Mourinho was hardly a two-day feature in the 60 days contact time that we had at the course and thing, including the internships that I did. I think the experience was uh, super, but the way they made it put like I had a moment with Mourinho and all that uh, sort of destroyed. That. It sort of portrayed the whole uh, motivation of going for the course completely <laughs> differently. It, I mean, it was great, and uh, this typical Indian accord we had, na. So I ended up sitting right opposite him throughout lunch, and I was <laughs> alone with him for about five minutes. But I was like, "Wo pehle baat karega." Oh shit! So obviously, it was nervousness. Also, ah, yeah. I don't want to come across as too eager and things. And that's where I realized, na, that these guys who played for Benfica for like ten, one of these mm. guys is like a Benfica. Uh, He played for Benfica, and uh, two other guys who played professionally. They are standing in line to like get. Uh, I mean, uh, not line, but like. Yeah. The happiness and eagerness was so much more obvious than the one that I exhibited and things. And that's when I realized that uh, you have to really. The great videos I saw the other day about the celebrities meeting celebrities at uh, award functions, hmm. at uh, Oscars and stuff. Yeah. Na? Jack Nicholson going up and talking to a young actor and stuff, uh-huh. and you see their reaction. I guess total. Yeah, letting go of ego and things like that. And that's that's again where I think I should sort of <laughs> let go and I see these guys and like would have asked him anything yeah. for those five minutes I was uh, alone with him and uh, things like that. But the question I asked him was he had mentioned uh, something about uh, Hernandez. Javier Hernandez, the Manchester United striker. Yeah, yeah. Manchester. No, no, no. The guy who went from Athletic Bilbao. Javier Hernandez, right? Oh, Chicharito is Javier Hernandez. Yeah, yeah. Who's the other guy? Lucas Hernandez. No, no. The guy with the really Spanish name. <laughs> Where did he go to? He's still there, I think. In Manchester United. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you. Pereira. Pereira. Ah. Pereira, right? Yeah, and Andres Pereira. So you had mentioned uh, an incident to do with him that Miktikarian was. Uh, He was supposed to mark somebody in the box during a set piece, and Miktikarian was supposed to wait there for the counter attack, and he swapped places with him, and apparently he went and blasted him during the, I don't know, like don't you dare, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, forego what I've told you, and then, and then he explained to him that he was already on a yellow. Hmm. He couldn't follow. And the set piece was so crucial, hmm. like it, I mean the. Uh, 
last minute blah 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 like had he got another yellow he could have been sent off and he made the decision on his own based on the Hmm. card implication morino's like i never thought of it that way hmm. so my uh, question to him was that uh, there you being with all this experience of winning the champions league and uh, so, so many league titles under your belt and you still learn from your players hmm. were there any other things that you at uh, in your time with other clubs were something the decision that the players took on their own ended up being a lifelong lesson for you which he said that in the future if any player gets a yellow card i'll tell him not to go and hmm. man mark a person on a set piece and things he said that became like a permanent uh, lesson for him so my question was that uh, following that incident were there any more and then he had mentioned i think he had mentioned something to the inter milan and stuff that hmm. one of the other incidents about what players at autumn and uh, so that just this whole uh, lesson of two way interaction has to be healthy you need to be open to suggestions from the players as well regardless of your reputation or how convinced you are about your tactics and stuff sometimes they are better predisposed to yeah, they're living the situation yeah exactly yeah. and uh, <laughs> bit more aware and they pick up the details far more mm-hmm. finally than sometimes coaches do so you have to be a bit open and uh, yeah. but yeah like you said i mean the course was never really <laughs> uh, the more you go on my way here now so okay. oh, interesting this is a talking point Oh, yeah it was good though. i mean he had shared how they prepare for matches they shown their entire pre match uh, presentation he was in manchester united at this time yeah manuel so he had shown the entire preparation for the europa league uh, finals Fine. against ajax oh that they were very good I and mean. tactically yeah. they yeah dropped. so they he showed the drills that he did and uh, the training sessions <coughs> on the ground the it's five days leading up to the finals how they had planned their uh, fixtures hmm. which players will play where so that they are fit for the substitutions are planned about five games in advance and stuff so i think all these uh, it is good to see that but again that was a season where the team played uh, 65 games hmm. if you going to ask where mourinho built his competency then how does he know <laughs> all this he been playing 65 games a season for last 15 20 years yeah and uh, then you say look at okay let's say any indian coach for the last five years how many games has he coached So in ISL I don't think maybe Pradeep has coached 5 9 9 9 okay. games no, even I league yeah. just like a coach who's been on the sidelines for 5 years how many games like he'll barely touch 100 120 or something no yeah 20 games per season yeah uh, maybe 100 105 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the catch up game that we are playing a game community game environment is just not comprehensive enough to sort of script any hope and things on uh, and belief that we believe that we are going to make it but what's really backing your belief those are questions we have to ask so and with thank you for spending so no, much no, time no, no, really. i think this will come out in four five episodes yeah. but <laughs> you will take half lot of the sync tough time editing it as well oh that's uh, the producer navin to do so oh, i does, okay. i just am in charge of the content so ah, good stuff <laughs> so thank you for that. yes cheers yeah. and that was the end of our interview with uh, richard hood i hope you had a good time uh, you, i hope it was informative as for you as it was for me i found, uh, throughout the conversation it was fascinating i also ended up speaking to him for another 2 to 3 hours i think maybe off the record it was a good chat a long conversation a good person a very knowledgeable person a good person to hang out with as well i hope uh, you guys were able to learn as much from it as possible and be more informed about indian football and the challenges that we are facing uh, than what is going on at the surface level <coughs> so as we leave we just want to make a promise that we will return to our regular scheduling once the season starts or close to the season starts till then we will try to give you as much information through uh, 
uh, interviews and extras we are trying it's difficult because it's off season and a lot of the players and the coaches are not here anymore but uh, nonetheless we are trying our hardest to get you as much content as possible on indian football so uh, keep following us on twitter at uh, at injury time ind you can follow me as sandy nonem uh, you can follow navin who's at, at peter speaking or you can follow any of our uh, panelists as well orko devayan mehir vishnu all of you guys so in the meantime uh, just enjoy the game and uh, see what we can come up with